So have you ever worked, walked up to the, like a fork in the road? You know, the, the one that, that this way is the way of wisdom, and this way is the way of foolishness. You know, like back in the day when you used to have bottle rocket boards. <laughs> I finally even had to stop when one finally exploded near somebody and you would say, oh wow, you better, you better quit before someone gets hurt. I can remember a time in high school, uh, I was in choir and we were at a competition and when the singer next to us, all these choirs were gathered to sing and get graded on that. Pretty much right. Some of the guys went outside and we were just kind of hanging out and doing what guys do. You know, you pick up rocks and kind of toss them around and different things. And the guys in the group said, yeah, I bet I can hit that pole up there. I remember looking at it and said, well, behind that pole is the school. You don't want to do that. And about that time, he went back and he let loose. You can imagine what happened. He nailed that pole right about halfway up. Just splattered it. I mean, that rock is just, I mean, incredible shot. But here's the foolish thing the guy next to him picked up a rock and he sailed it. And it went about five feet left of that pole, sailed through the air, through the window of the cafeteria, and into that cafeteria where many of the choirs and choir directors were eating lunch. <laughs> then another foolish thing happened. I stood there while they all scattered. <laughs> you know, sometimes we think of the lack of wisdom or the embrace of foolishness as a, as a childish phenomenon. But yet, if we're honest, we have to admit that we've, that we've all come to that fork in the road and, and chosen the, the foolish way. I asked for a show of hands, and probably every one of us. I remember the time uh, we were building a house. We were renting a couple, of, a couple of houses down. We had our had a Christmas tree, and it was now January. It's time to get rid of the Christmas tree. And I thought, I'll just drive over there to our house, backyard, and I'll uh, just set it ablaze. So sure enough, I'll get back there. And I don't know if you've ever lit the Christmas tree on fire, uh, but they don't burn slowly. They go on like an atomic bomb. And so I lit this tree, and it was just flame. By that time, this gust of wind took it, and it rolled across the backyard. And the grass there, uh, brown and tall, weeds caught fire. And I'm running to the, to the house, two houses over, and I'm filling buckets, and I'm gathering the family. We're over there with shovels to no avail. Finally, we call the, the fire department. They come out. Who's the fool that set their backyard on fire? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, it might be a strike. <laughs> yeah, where does wisdom come from? How do we find wisdom? Well, these questions bring us to our text this morning in Proverbs chapter 4. You know, at, the end of, at the end of 1 Chronicles, King David is... Is, is passed away, and his, his son Solomon is anointed king, king over all Israel. Then you move into the first chapter of Second Chronicles. God appears there to, to Solomon, and he says, Ask, what shall I do? 
rather than riches or possessions or long life or triumph over his enemies, more than honor, he asks for wisdom and knowledge in order to lead Israel. First Kings 4, 29-31 says, God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breadth of mind like the sand of the seashore so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the East and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all other men. Most of the book of Proverbs is written by this wise man, Solomon. A little more than, I think, four chapters are attributed to other authors. The book of Proverbs is a collection of uh, mainly short sayings designed to highlight important truths in, in memorial or memorable form. Uh, the first nine chapters maybe are, are, are a little bit more narrative. You get into chapter 10 and on, and you just get these little short verses, and themes are all over the place. Many preachers, instead of preaching through a, a particular chapter, will oftentimes gather themes, maybe preach through those themes. The Proverbs, they highlight these, these themes of important truths. One cop scholars, he, he, in describing the Proverbs, he says that they're intended to present brief and catchy statements of truth designed to, to hit home for maximum impact. Now my wife, she's not here today, so I'm taking a little risk here. She's going to get our son in, in, in Europe. But she eats an apple every day. Every day she faithfully eats an apple. And she would be the first to attest that she does go to the doctor. So, now that little saying, that little proverb, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Uh, it's not a, a full-blown truth that you can make on it, but it's a good principle. It's calling us to, to eat more healthily. And if we eat more healthily, maybe we would stay away from the doctor. Or vice versa, if we don't eat healthily, we will get to see the doctor maybe more often. So principles of truth rather than definitive promises. The Proverbs are filled with these. For example, you may have heard of Proverbs 22, 6. It's oftentimes quoted. Train up a child in the way as you go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Again, this isn't necessarily a promise that if we, we train our children in righteousness, they will never, ever depart from it. And you know of people, you know of families. And there's some of you here in this room who trained up your child who are faithful in bringing the words of bear for the love. And yet still to this day, after many, 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 many years, maybe even late in life, they've fallen straight to the Lord, have not embraced it. Yeah, this Proverbs, it's a great encouragement. It's an encouragement to us as parents to consistently train and to, to teach our children in righteousness. It's a worthy principle. 
The Proverbs, they, they point us to the way of wisdom. We've been singing about wisdom. The Proverbs point the way. They guide us. They show us how to walk in this life in uprightness and joy and protection, fulfillment and blessing. Solomon tells us, I mean, he tells us the purpose of his book in the first few verses there in chapter 1. He writes in verse 2, he says, To know wisdom, instruction, he wants us to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, equity, to give prudence to the simple, and knowledge and discretion to youth. He says, let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. Wisdom. Wisdom simply means to skillfully walk in the light of who God is and what He desires for us. Wisdom. Wisdom means to skillfully walk in the light of who God is and what He desires for us. So the Proverbs, they're guiding us in this principle. They're showing us wisdom. They're helping us to skillfully walk in the light of who God is and what he wants and desires for us. Several times in the Proverbs it says that the fear of the Lord is the, is the beginning of wisdom or the beginning of understanding. Proverbs 9.10 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. We want to know him. We want to know God. And we want to know his ways. That's what the Proverbs teach us. There's 31 chapters. I would encourage you. Here's an easy thing to do. Read a chapter a month. Just let it pour in there. Saturate it. Take hold. Learn about what he wants for you. What it means to walk in the way of wisdom. To walk in light. This brings us to, to the chapter that I want for us to glean from this morning. Proverbs 4. Solomon is speaking to his son and calling him to choose the path of wisdom, to walk the path of light in life. So if you want to take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, uh, maybe grab one there in the, in the pew rack in front of you. Turn to page 529. 529. If you don't own a Bible, we would sure encourage you just to take that, that Bible with you. So, is our gift to you. Proverbs chapter 4. I want to read the entire chapter. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction to be attended, that you might gain insight. For to give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart go fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get inside. Do not forget. Do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her. She will keep you. Love her. She will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. 
And whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly. She will exalt you. She will honor you in your, if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garment. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Verse 10. Hear, my son, and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. I've taught you the way of wisdom. I've led you in the paths of uprightness. And when you walk, your, your step will not be hampered, and if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction, and do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. <coughs> do not enter the path of the wicked. Do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. They cannot sleep unless they have that wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter as a full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. Verse 20. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from the crooked speech, the devious talk, talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Part of the path of your feet, that all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. <coughs> Turn your foot away from evil. Chapters easily divided into three sections. Your Bible might have those three sections. Verses 1 through 9. We see a pattern, pattern of instruction. Verses 10 through 19, we see a, a path to destruction. Verses 20 through 27, we see a heart for protection. Pattern of instruction, a path to destruction, and a heart for protection. If I were to sum up this chapter in one main idea, I think this is what I would say. To know wisdom, we must hear and heed the word. To know wisdom, we must hear and heed the word. And this will serve as our two main points. To know wisdom, we must first hear the word. Secondly, we must heed the word. First, to know is that we must hear the word. Each of the three sections begins with the father calling on his son or his sons to hear his words. Verse 1, he says, hear, O sons, the father's instructions. Be attentive. You can look down verse 10. Hear, my son, and accept my words. Then again in verse 20. My son, be attentive to my words. 
incline your ear to my saying. And she could probably relate to those words. Kids, you've probably heard those words from your parents. Maybe when they say something like, uh, did you hear what I just said? It usually has a little tone to it. <laughs> Listen up. Or look at me when I'm talking to you. Again, it has a little bit of in it, right? Listen, hear. In Mark 4, 2 through 3, it says that, that Jesus taught, and he often taught in parables. Remember the verse that says, in his teaching, he said, listen. Sometimes he would grab the attention of people. Truly, truly, I say to you, he'd say that, you just want to perk up and listen. Matthew 7, 24 and 25, Jesus says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Jesus says, If you hear the word, these words of mine, and do them, if you hear them, heed them, at first, we must hear the words. If we want to know wisdom, we must first hear. We have to listen. I want you to imagine just for a moment. If Jesus were to appear here, and he doesn't know, but if he were to appear here and come up on this platform, and he were to ask me, hey, I'd like to share some things with, with UBC this morning, uh, we would have to take a poll. You would rather hear the words of Christ or you would rather hear the words of John. I think I would step aside and let Jesus speak to us. If the truth is, we don't have to have him appear to hear his words. He's written everything he wants us to know right here in this book. It's the infallible, perfect, inspired word of God. In fact, you don't have to just show up on Sundays to hear the word. We want you to, to hear the proclaiming of, of God's word. We want you to be in, in our adult Bible fellowship classes. We want our children to be under the teaching of the word. We want to hear the words of God. That you can hear it every day. Every day. How precious is this word to you? How precious is his word to you? Last year, Lifeway Research Survey indicated that only about 22% of Americans read a little bit of the Bible each day in a systematic way. 35% of all Americans never even pick up the Bible. About 30% look up things in the Bible every once in a while. In the church, particularly the evangelicals, 49% of evangelicals read the Bible consistently every day. Those stats are true for us, UBC. That means that over 50% of us don't hear God's words to us regularly. Oh, we need our good and gracious Father to, to pull us close, to look us in the eyes and say, Hear, O sons and daughters of mine, hear my words. Be attentive to what I have to say. 
my words will give you insight and make you spiritually wise. You know, two weeks ago, Cole preached from, from Psalm 19. It's all about the Word of God. It reminded us of the blessing of God's Word. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey, the drippings of the honeycomb. There's no wisdom, you must hear it. The best way we hear it is to read it. Sinner is teaching, and then in our homes to read it. I want you to notice from this passage, notice what Solomon is doing. He's speaking to his son about the truths he was taught by his father, David. Look there in verse 3. When I was a son with my father, speaking of David, Tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, Bathsheba. He's the only son uh, at that time. He says, speaking of David, he says, David taught me, and he said to me, and he begins to share what his father taught him. So picture this. Solomon is, is sitting there, and he has, he has, and he's sitting there in the, the lap of his father. Well, you know, Solomon, Solomon is there, and he has his son, Rehoboam, Rehoboam sitting on his lap. And maybe there's a sketch drawing of, of his father, David, sitting there on the table. And he says, hey, son, don't you to hear the words that my father taught me? And now I want to pass on to you. These are wise words. Listen, be attentive. You know, another important way of hearing the word is through multi-generational discipleship. Here we see grandfather to father and now to son. Fathers, let me, let me speak to you a minute. And just like Solomon was teaching and training his son in the way of wisdom and the path of righteousness, we as fathers need to be teaching and training our children. spiritual leaders of our home. It is, it is our highest calling to teach our children to skillfully walk in the light of who God is and what He desires for us. There's no job more important. There's no hobby that should take up more time. There's no greater joy than seeing our children grow up in the Lord and come to know the Lord and serve the Lord. Oops. Solomon is instructing his son. It's also a call for you to pour spiritually into your children. Grandparents, and you're included in this as well. It's, it's a multi-generational lifestyle of discipleship. Oh, I've got the markups here at UBC. Grandfather speaking into their sons, and their sons speaking into their sons, and their sons, and so forth. 
What do you do? Read, read Bible stories to your children when they're young. Pray the scripture over them. Pray for the body. You just, you just got the uh, membership directory. Um, stay right here. Be steadfast. Oftentimes we'll, we'll print members, members' names in here. In fact, you know, when I did the pastoral prayer, that's what I just did. I, I read through praying for our members. I walked through these. And there's just short scriptures, scripture prayers. Teach your children how to pray scripture. Let it be in the home. Outside of our bookstore, there are all kinds of resources for parents to, to teach their children, share stories, and show them the way of wisdom to bring the word of bear to bear on their lives. As they get older, talk about life's circumstances in light of God's words. When you go to the movie, and you, you come out and you just talk about this. What is what does this reflect about God? What did we see that was out of sync? What does this mean for us? Let them grow up hearing and seeing the word of God here in the body together. Parents, tell you this, if you want to learn more about how to disciple and live the word of God out among your children, we invite you to be a part of from our book studies coming up this fall called the Disciple Making Parent. Disciple Making Parent. We've got three of them, two for men, two for fathers, and, and one for, for ladies. We'll be going through this book. All you have to do is go to, go to our website, click over to the Ministries tab, go down to you, and then click on the Disciple Making Parent icon to sign up. Let me encourage you to be a part of that. Many have already done that. We encourage more of you. What about us as a church? What about us? Titus 2, we see the older women training the younger women. In 2 Timothy, we see Paul teaching Timothy and calling him to teach others. Paul writes, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. 2 Timothy 2, 2. So again, you have Paul, disciple, Discipling Timothy. Now he's calling him to disciple other faithful men who will go and disciple other men. And you've got these multi-generations of discipleship going on. Oh, that's what we need here, you see. If you're not in a discipling relationship, if you walk with the Lord for, for years, oh, pour the word of God into others. Grab somebody and say, hey, are you, do, you, do you meet with anybody and walk through the word with them? I'd love to do that with you. Maybe if you're young in the faith, go and find someone and just say, hey, I'd love to, can we have coffee? And maybe read, read a passage of scripture together and talk about it. Every one of us in this room are called to make disciples. It's not just a good idea. It's not just a good thought. It's a great commission. We're disciples. Called to make disciples. We're to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. When you leave this morning, go have lunch with your friends. Share what you've learned from God's word. Families, as you drive home, talk about it. Talk about the word. Ask questions of your kids. Share the things that, that, that the Lord has pressed upon your own heart. 
when we gathered in the night, talk about the word with one another before the service, after the service. Share it, teach it, be encouraged by it, be counseled by it. If we're going to grow in wisdom as a church, well, friends, we must hear it regularly. So how do we how do we do it? How do we do it? How do we share the word and disciple others? I'm glad you asked. This chapter is filled with ways that we are to disciple our children and one another. Let me just kind of walk through the passage here and let you see some of these things. First, we just speak it. I mean, to hear means that something has to be spoken. Verse 4, he, talked about David, said to me. I think you'd be surprised if how many times, just as, maybe even as fathers, we just don't speak it in our homes. It's, again, going back to the statistics, the word is just not there. It's just, it's just open it up and begin to read it, speak it, talk about it. It also says, teach it. Verse 1, Solomon gave instruction. Verse 2, verse 4, he taught it. Share the commands of Scripture. In this first section, verse 1 through 9, there's, there's nine uh, imperatives or nine commands. He's, and, and Solomon is sharing these commands with, with his son. And keep my commandments, verse 4. Get wisdom, get insight, verses 5 and 7. Love wisdom, verse 6. Prize wisdom highly, verse 8. Other times we want to give warning. Verse 4, don't forget. Verse 6, don't forget wisdom. Don't, don't forsake wisdom. Verse 14, don't get in the path of the wicked. Don't walk in the way of the evil. Verse 27, don't swerve to the right or to the left. And don't go that way. Look out. Give warning. Share promises. Verse 6 says, wisdom will keep you and guard you. Wisdom will grace you with honor and glory and splendor. It will insult you, verse 29. The words of the Lord will give you life and healing, verses 22 to 23. One of the things that I do in my Bible, I mark it up. So when there's a command, I bring out my green pencil and I just I mark it up. I just I, I highlight it. When there's a promise, I take my blue pencil and I, and I, I write it and I, I just color it all in. So then when I want to teach and share my promises, when I want to pray promises, I, I just I have it there. I, just, I open it up and there's always this blue. And I, here's promises that I can cling to and hold on to and celebrate and give praise to God for. Because when he makes promises, he keeps them. And I share with those with the children. When there's commands, these are things they heed. When I see them in green, I know, boy, I need to, I need to pay attention. I want to share these things with my kids, with, with others. Another way is lead by example. Look at verse 11. It says, I have taught you the way of wisdom. So there's the teaching. And it says, I have led you in paths of uprightness. So not only did, did he teach his son the truth, did he teach them the right path to walk on? What did he do? Then he said, hey, come follow me. Here, let me lead you in this. Let me go out here. You watch this. See this lived out. And we want the gospel. And we want to, we want to break the words of God. We want to 
want to speak it and show it and share it and teach it. But we also want to live it. We want our children. We want one another to see it living out in our lives. The other way is to challenge. Verse 23 says, keep your heart with all diligence or vigilance. Keep your heart. Oh, keep it. Just go. Verse 24, put away from you crooked speech and devious talk. Let me challenge you. Don't let any, any unwholesome talk touch your lips or come out of your mouth. Just challenge one another in that. That's when I might slip over into, oh, you know, that criticism or something. You know, for a brother to come to me and say, oh, hey, wait a minute, wait, hang on, you're kind of slipping in there a little bit. That doesn't sound very, very encouraging or edifying. You're right. Challenge one another. Share vividly the consequences. Several times in this passage, he talks about life and, and really death. Verse 4, he says, Let your heart move fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Literally, he's saying, Hold on to my words because your life may depend upon it. Verse 10, he tells his son to accept, to accept his words of wisdom so that the years of his life may be many. And again, verse 13, he tells his son to hold on to his instructions and not let it go. To guard wisdom for it is your life. Share it vividly. A couple summers ago, an armadillo was hit by a car and lay dead on the side of the road in front of our house. Yeah. That <laughs> was it. A couple of days went by and I began to wonder if animal services was going to come by and pick up that carcass, get rid of it. More days went by and, and the deceased armadillo began to smell as the consequences of the scorching sun beating on, on it relentlessly had its effect. So one day I did what any good husband would do. That's my wife, she would take care of it. <laughs> that was not the way of wisdom. No, I, I grabbed my shovel and was ready to show my manly prowess in dealing with dead armadillos. So I went out to the edge of the road where the, where the flies were having a day. It was like party. See, they were just having a good time with the armadillo. I scooped him up with the shovel, decided to put him out into the empty field that's diagonal to, to our home. And I was just like walking over the, over the fence. Good wind would kind of blow that smell over there. I mean, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be getting kind of deep out there. So I decided that I would catapult him into the field. <laughs> <laughs> there, <laughs> so I got a wooden scarf, had him there. I was ready to keep that beach from the ground level. And over my head, eventually out into that field. And I had him there, and I'm going. And about right here, the force of the catapult had a, had a profound effect on that armadillo. As he had been out there for days, things had been happening. And about when I got right there, he just disintegrated. And, just... and yes, I was under that explosion. I'll just leave the rest to your imagination. 
Suffice it to say, that was the grossest thing that has ever, ever happened to me. And I pray that it will never happen. <laughs> oh, how I wish that someone would have seen me scooping up an animal and said, Wait! Before you do anything foolish, you need to listen to me. There's something called the dead armadillo effect. You need to hear about it. But as awful, as awful as that experience was, I was able to just put in the house. Uh, my wife had a good chuckle out of that. And I showered, got cleaned up. You know, but there's choices. There's choices in this life that we make that, are much, that have much greater consequences than, than that. Our greatest enemy, Satan, is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. He's scheming against us. See, we don't wrestle with, with just flesh and blood. We're, we're wrestling against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, Ephesians 6 12. He's out to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to deceive us and tempt us to walk down the wrong path. The second passage, the second section of this passage, we, we see two distinct paths. One is called the way of wisdom, the path of the righteous or the light of God. The other is called the way of evil, the path of the wicked or the deep darkness. Solomon, he warns his son not to enter this path. Look at verse 15. He says, avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it. Pass on. You can almost hear the urgency in his voice. Don't go there. Don't do it. He describes the people already on that path. They're longing to be wrong. They're, they eat and drink wickedness and violence. It's, it's in them. They've consumed it. It's become a part of who they are. What happens? What happens if we don't turn away from it? Or rather, we just take maybe, maybe just take a few steps into that path of, of wickedness, foolishness, evil. What happens if we hold on to anger or unforgiveness? Or we just say a, a few disparaging words about another person behind his or her back? So we just look at some inappropriate images or videos just, just one time before we realize it. We've traveled down a pretty good distance of that, that path. Our anger has turned to bitterness. Our disparaging words have turned into a, a pattern of gossip or criticism. Our brief lust has morphed into an addiction with pornography. Soon we're engulfed in deep darkness. And we can't find our way. This is why we need each other. This is why we need to hear the word, to speak the word, to teach it, to share the commands, to warn and to share hope and promise, to model and lead by example, to challenge and share the consequences of the path toward darkness. Church, let's help each other in this. Let's help each other walk in the path of light. There's no reason we must first hear the word. Secondly, we must heed the word. 
Look at the look with me there at the, this third section, beginning verse 20. Son, oh my son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows springs of life. See, two times he uses this word heart. Sometimes we think of the word heart, we think of emotions, and it surely is that, but it's way more than just emotions. In Hebrew, understanding the heart, it's really it's the wellspring of life. It's, it's the total being of a person. It's the control panel of our lives. Jesus said, Luke 6.45, he says, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. The evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. The heart is where our thoughts, our words, and actions are produced. If we're going to heed the word, we must fill our hearts with good treasure. Psalm 119, 9-11. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Solomon, he's, he's imploring his son to keep his instructions in his heart. I like how the CSB translates verse 23. He says, guard your heart with all this. He says, keep your heart. Guard it. Build protecting walls around your heart because it, I mean, it really controls everything. In fact, if you keep your heart filled with the wisdom of the Lord, you will be able to put away, he says it in these verses, be able to put away this honest speech, devious talk, verse 24. In other words, your, your lips and mouth will be pure and edifying. You'll also be able to keep your eyes focused directly ahead. Your gaze will be straight, verse 25. Your feet will be secure and steady on the path of life, verse 26. You will not swerve to the left or the right, verse 27. This word will be like a, a lamp to your feet, a light to your path. Of Psalm 37. Verses 30 and 31. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom. His tongue speaks justice. The law of his God is in his heart. His steps do not. So to heed the word, we have to, have to fill our hearts with the word and then guard our hearts diligently. Or as verse 23 says, vigilantly. To heed the word is to, to love it, to, to embrace it, and to obey it. The word is more than this, this life-giving book. The word is a person. I think Solomon speaking, we can see that in this, it's not just Solomon speaking to his son. We see almost a Christ figure in this, in this passage. Jesus Jesus is wisdom. He is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God. And the Word was with God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. Glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way. He is that path of righteousness. Jesus is the light of the world. Whoever follows Him will not walk in darkness, the Scripture says. But we'll have the light of life. 
remember the passage that Paul read earlier. Jesus is the power of God, the wisdom of God. First Corinthians 1.30. And because of him, God, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. See, in the Garden of Eden, Satan came to, to Eve and tempted her to partake in some, something that God forbid. She says that she saw this tree, she saw that it was good for food, that it was delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. See, they, they stood at that fork in the road, and they thought they could find a better source of wisdom. They stepped onto the path of wickedness and were forever immersed in darkness. The Bible says that all of us have darkness. Every one of us. All of us have sinned and fall short of His glory. All of us are sinners, choosing the darkness over the light. The sin and rebellion may carry a criminal penalty. We're forever destined to remain in the darkness to endure the full wrath of God's justice against sin. And out of great love, God made a way for us to come back into the light. He gave up His Son to die on the cross to pay the penalty of our sin. Jesus Christ, He bore the wrath that we deserve, and He conquered death through His resurrection. How he offers eternal life to all who would hear the word and heed the word. To heed the word is simply a, to obey, to, to turn, to repent, and to trust and believe in Jesus Christ. To all who hear and heed, the Bible says that he will deliver from the domain of darkness and transfer to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption. The forgiveness of sins. And he becomes to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. Righteousness, right standing with God, sanctification, progressively becoming, becoming holy, pure, and then redemption. Being set free from the bondage of sin and brought into the kingdom of the Savior. So if you're here today and you would call yourself a follower of Christ, you're standing at the fork. I would implore you to hear the word. It's called the good news, it's the gospel. It's just what I shared up there. It's the gospel. It's called, it's called the path of righteousness leading to light. Friend, if you've heard the word this morning, but you heed it. See, the path is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter and brighter until Lord Jesus comes to take us to our eternal home. If you want to know more about what it means to be a follower of Christ, I'll be standing down here and visit this purpose. I'd love to visit with you. Others our staff and elders of the various stores come visit with us. Brothers and sisters of Christ, God has put us here together in this spiritual family called University Baptist Church. 
He's called us to disciple one another. He's called us to let the, let the word of Christ dwell in us richly to teach and admonish. Let's hear the word from one another. Let's help each other heed the word. Where do we find wisdom? Right here. It's the word of God. It's also a person. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. It's continually hearing that he is. Let's pray. Father, we praise you that Christ is the power and wisdom of God given to us, like the scripture says, for righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. We thank you for the cross that is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved. Oh, it is the power of God. So our souls cry out, hallelujah, praise and honor to you, our God, our Savior, our God, Jesus' name.